Welcome listeners to the 18th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me today are powerful wizards Robin Svensson and Christopher Wikström. Amazing welcomes to you, dear listeners. Hello, listeners. Hello and welcome back after our short break last week. Yeah, Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on the Top Deck app, or can it? Last week, as you might have noticed, we did not record an episode due to scheduling conflicts made impossible by adult life. Instead, I did a short intermission with recommendations to other legacy-oriented podcasts. We hope you are not too upset about this slip-up. After all, most of our listeners are probably adults as well. In today's episode, we will go over the Paper Legacy we've played in the past two weeks, or at least highlights from that play, as it would be a bit too much otherwise. Uh, and then we will test a new segment... The Memorable Spice Moment, in which we will hear a story about the memorable past legacy match from one of us. But again, we have two weeks of play to report, no time to waste. Robin, take it away. All right. I I really can't remember what I did play last week, (laughs) so I'll just talk about this week. This week, I was kind of tired on the Wednesday, so I sleeved up Turbo Depths to turbo out some games. <laughs> and I played two matches, one against Espervile and one against uh, Blue-White Standstill. Against Espervile, I think I got a little bit lucky because I, I could take those games down quite easily both times. In game one, I got my Merit Lage Swords, uh, but I could make another, and then he was out of answers. But I think that matchup can be a little bit tricky with all of the flicker effects, and uh, yeah, it's a white deck, so there's Swords to Plowshares and, and possibly uh, Prismatic Endings. And a lot of Caracas. And a lot of Caracas. I, I think I was a little bit lucky to be able to force through Merit Lage there. And then against Standstill, I was not so lucky. I got, in game one, I got severely uh, beaten up by Teferi because, as you may remember, I have switched the build on Dark Depths to a little bit more of a reactive one to accommodate for Ragavan uh, stealing my cards. And uh, I would rather them having a Stifle or another of this world than a Thoughtseize. So that means that my deck is much more reactive and the reactive cards, they are all dead in the in the face of Teferi Time Raveler. And and I lost the second game also. I don't really remember what happened there. Maybe you can take that uh, when you talk about your games, Christopher. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then I, I got some extra playing. I was uh, playing with Victor, throwing my entire gauntlet on his monogreen cloud post deck. So I brought Bant with I have reconfigured a little bit since last time, but it's quite the stock band list now, I would say. I have added Counterbalance because that's a pet card of mine. <laughs> I'm not really sure if it actually fits there. But Band against Monogreen Cloudpost was an uphill battle, as you can imagine. I think I squeezed in one win by playing uh, consecutive Endurances for the beatdown and a Back to Basic for the lockdown. But other than that, it was really rough. All right, that's all for me. Well, that is solid. So, Christopher, have you been winning again? So, for these last two weeks, I've played two matches of Aluren and two matches with Blue-White Standstill. And uh, 
the learn list that I tried out this time is quite different from what I've played recently, which, uh, you know, I've, I've tried some Living Wish uh, deck lists, you know, uh, the Acerarak is uh, a, a fine win con, I guess, and being able to tutor it from the sideboard has been like a lot of fun. But in general, I cut the Living Wishes and I just decided to go in a bit more, you know, uh, game one action, maybe less combo streamlined. So, you know, if you cut free Living Wishes, uh, you can fit in, you know, two Leovold and another Baleful Strix or something like that. So that's that's exactly what I did. And uh, yeah, then you also get to just pack the sideboard with even like meaner cards. So I'm packing a, a full free Plague Engineers in the, in the sideboard, which is just, you know, sometimes you get a stomp on uh, some poor Elves player. But yeah, this... This deck list, for more information about like the specifics, we're going to post it on the Discord, so you should definitely come and hang out. I played against Esper Vile and Grixis Control with the Learn deck, and both are quite good matchups. I decided to board out uh, <laughs> like the actual Alluring card against Esper Vile, and went on a more grindy path with you know Triple Engineer. Uh, I brought in a Toski. <laughs> for all those Tosky fans out there. Uh, but I do not believe that it's a winning path. And, you know, most games, uh, the Alluren deck is quite good at just grinding the opponent down. And Esper Vile is one of those decks that's just not going to take that shit. Uh, you know, they snowball really easily. Uh, like, one top deck can really get them ahead in a lot of matchups. So, boarding out the Alluren's did not feel like a good idea. Like it felt great in my head between games, but I definitely I I'll keep them in for sure. Uh, I still managed to take it out down 2-0, but that was just because my opponent flooded real bad. Uh, he stole my Toski with a Gilded Drake, and you know just started drawing so many cards. That's a big ouchie. Yeah, like I I told him afterwards. I I was like I'm such a Idiot, why did I even bring in Toski? You know, he's playing, I don't, I'm not sure how many Caracas because he's on the Yorian build. So, like, yeah, it just felt like a really stupid thing. And then he stole it, uh, you know, with all of his 1 1s and stuff like that. It was not a good time. I love Gilded Drake, such a lovely card. Um, so, yeah, I got a bit lucky there. Like, any any of those lands, if they would have been like a, a solid creature, it would have killed me. Against the Grixis control deck, you know. Uro just beat him up pretty badly, and uh, it's 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 rough for that deck uh, already. Uh, even even pre Uro, this matchup was really rough. Uh, you know, playing Shardless Agents and Leovolts, you know, things that just replace themselves, but also slowly but surely kills you. It's not where you want to be. But Uro is definitely like, I d- I don't think I've ever lost a best of three against Grixis Control uh, with a learn. Uh, even like during the Grixis control, like their peak days, but since Uro printing, like not even close. It's a, it's a freebie. So this week I decided to play blue white standstill, and I went one one. And the deck is also going to be posted on the Discord. Like the big takeaways is I'm playing three timeless dragons and the full playset of Ursa sagas in the main, 
and one Shark Typhoon. And that's pretty much how I killed the opponent, together with one Hall of Heliod's Generosity. I decided to play a spicy Crucible of Worlds in the sideboard, just for the Ursa Sagas and the Hall of Heliod's Generosity. It's just a nice way to ensure that you can get there, even if you get wastelanded, or maybe they find, find like timely removal on, on your constructs. But yeah, so it's uh, we'll post a list also on the Discord. Um, the first round was against Espevile, and uh, it's a nightmare matchup. Uh, you know, you're trying to play this standstill grindy plan, and you're playing against an even grindier opponent that plays Edvile. So if they manage to sneak one in <laughs> before you can stand still, uh, yeah, you just have dead standstills in your hand. I I, I lost game one with three standstills in my hand. Uh, which is, you know, not where you want to be. Then I, I managed to steal game two, but like, yeah, after three games, I got beaten up pretty badly. Um, I, lo I lost uh, one two. I should definitely get dress downs uh, for this deck. Um, I've been a bit lazy and not gotten them yet, but they seem absolutely brutal here. Oh, for sure, you should really get them. I mean. Have, being a person who plays vile, you know, decks on the regular and uh, finding standstill uh, a nice matchup if you can land uh, the vials and stuff. Uh, at least the dress down is going to help you a bit, specifically against decks that I think rely on vile to get under you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, we have gotten the prismatic ending, which is quite nice, but I mean, uh, you're not always going to get there. Uh, like. In, in most starter hands, you're looking for a standstill probably and a way to, you know, solve whatever thing your opponent is doing and then, you know, putting it into play. So if, if your opponent just <laughs> gets their violin, it's not like I'm looking for a prismatic ending in my starter. So it's, uh, it's, it's quite rough, but yeah. Uh, the last game was against Robin on Rainbow Depths. And we had some pretty interesting games for sure. You know, I was able to sneak in a Teferi in game one, and that card is super strong against his specific build. Uh, you know, not only can I play Prismatic Ending and stuff like that in <laughs> whenever I want to due to Teferi, but he's leaning into, you know, Not of This World and uh, Stifle, which are just two dead cards. Uh, when Teferi is uh, in play. Uh, they can't really do anything in this matchup. Game one, the Teferi kind of just snow rolled and took over the game quite easily. Uh, game two was a bit of a standoff. I've, I smelt some, like, uh, I got the shark sense, you know, blood in the water when he was playing his second Sylvan Scrying, the first one getting a Dark Depth. And I just got this read that He's really light on mana, so I decided to force, uh, out of nowhere, like on his Sylvan Scrying, to untap and jam it back to basics, which really constricted his mana. Eventually, he had enough to make Merit with the uh, Vampire Hexmage and then played Fling, <laughs> which is a card that he brought in, you know, 20 to you. But I had uh, I had a force for the for the fling, so I was kind of the bad guy, I guess. But uh, yeah, it was it was definitely some really interesting games, and that matchup, especially the the version that he's playing, the Rainbow Depths is is quite fast. So um, when 
when you're uh, thinking about not uh, like yeah so the the blue white standstill has a ton of removal but he has arguably more ways to protect it so it's it's very it's quite interesting That's, uh, that was my two weeks of legacy. So Victor, you've had a new baby to look out for, the, the beautiful, beautiful deck that we're about to hear about. So tell us a bit about the new, the new hotness at your place. Yeah, the new hotness at my place is Mono Green Cloud Post. I've been waiting for so long to put this deck together and playing it. And this is a version that plays four Elvish Reclaimer, three Primeval Titan, and then one Ulamog the Ceaseless Hunger, one Emrakul the Promised End, and one Emrakul the Aeon's Torn as the threats. And then it's just green cloud post cards. Uh, notably four copies of Pithic Needle in the main deck against Wasteland, because that's a card that a lot of people play currently. And as I said, this deck is just really up my alley. It's all about doing very big things in a linear way. And smashing in with your Primeval Titan sort of feels like the smallest thing in the deck. And that's where I want to be. <laughs> also, this deck is, of course, very green. And as regular listeners will remember, I have tried putting cards like 5 mana Garrick in Legacy decks. So this is Welcome Home. Played a couple of test matches against Robin. Uh, the first test match against Bant, which felt like just an amazing matchup. Most of the games played out like this. The Bant opponent does a lot of things, and eventually I put I have Ugin into play, cast one of my three Eldrazi friends, and that is game. Uh, and we had a really nice salt in the wounds in the very first game I played with this deck. I cast Emrakul the Promised End, taking Robin's next turn, ultimating his Jace on him. Yeah, that was a way I have never lost before to my own Jace ultimate. So yeah, the one game that I lost against Bant, uh, I was trying to get cute with the Married Lage plan, which is not a good idea against the deck that plays a lot of copies of Prismatic Ending and Source of Plowshares and Caracas. But I felt I just wanted to test it. Otherwise, I just all the other games felt like this is going to be an easy thing. Reverse feeling was the second test match against Lands, because uh, it felt just completely unwinnable. <laughs> It's packed with wastelands, loams, exploration, valakut exploration. You probably have to mulligan for pithing needle or just lose right at the gate. But even without wasteland in the picture, it is a really an uphill battle. Basically, lands do all the things they want to do, and the cloudpost deck has no way of interacting or disturbing their game plan. <laughs> it kind of it kind of feels like whatever route they end up on. It's gonna be bad for you. Like, are they gonna have a fast merit? Are they gonna start porting you? Do they have a wasteland recursion? It's never gonna be good. <laughs> like, even if you find a piffing needle, it might not be enough. It's like the the lead shielding in Chernobyl. <laughs> like, know that if even if you have piffing needle, it might not be enough. Yeah, I mean, uh, I have been playing lands for a bit now, and uh, 
you know, when I started playing lands, I was brewing this Haymaker lands, I was calling it, uh, with a white splash for, for Savine's Reclamation. But now the stock list is quite similar. Uh, it's not playing Savine's Reclamation, but it certainly is Haymaker lands with four Valakut Explorations, four Explorations, four Loams. So it's quite easy to mull a hand to five and still have a super powerful start. Uh, and I think, I think that lands mulligans really well right now. Uh, with all those, like, run away with the game cards that it runs. It feels really strong. And and I feel like I have improved my mulligan decisions uh, playing it. Indeed. And then the third test match was against my own Jorin D&T deck, which Robin hasn't played that much, so a bit of a handicap for me. But that was a really interesting matchup. Of course, it being an 80-card deck makes Wasteland less scary. And uh, in the late game, we realized that the Eldrazi are probably just bigger than the Yorion loop, especially if the Cloudpost deck has a Caracas on the board, because you can basically just loop your Eldrazi monsters, and uh, that's super OP, really. Then on the other hand, in one of the games, the Death and Taxes game had a curve that felt like a 60-card Death and Taxes. Robin went Vile into Thalia with Caracas, into uh, Stoneforge Mystic getting Kaldra, giver of runes and i was like okay i'm gonna put cloud post into play and pass the turn and then i'm gonna put forest into play casting yeah no (laughs) it uh it was just um i got really sort of swamped by a sudden aggro plan so if i want to keep on playing Monogree Cloud Post, uh, I would love for people to just keep on playing 80-card doesn't access decks, because I think I will stand a better chance. Yeah, I think I think there's something to it. And, uh, you know, uh, I've played a bit of the, the colorless uh, Cloud Post version, and when you're playing against an ag- like a really aggressive draw, and, you know, you realize uh, quite early in the game that they are going to be the mega aggressor in this game, and uh, you know that your first three turns are pretty much just going to be playing lands. Uh, it's uh, not the best feeling in the world. Uh, so yeah, I can imagine that being quite scary, you know. Going the cloud post <laughs> when they got the vial, just putting in whatever, like a Stoneforge Mystic. You know that you have probably five turns, four turns max <laughs> left in the game if you don't like kill them. Absolute max, I would say. Less than four turns, most likely. Even though if you get down the Primal Titan as a blocker, it's not going to be enough against Kaldra and friends. But yeah, that was fun. Um, definitely going to continue uh, both sort of trying out this deck more, tweak it to my needs, and so on and so forth. The full deck list uh, as your decks will be in the Discord. It's been a while since we introduced a new segment in this podcast, which is not okay. Also, fans, no worries, the basic land connoisseur panel will return for you, we know you love it. In this episode, however, we introduce the memorable Spice moment. 
this segment will provide us with an opportunity to walk down that memory lane legacy players just love so much and reminisce over excellent things that we have done with cardboard in the past. First up is the podcast's main storyteller, Christopher. You will be taking us back to the lovely city of Bologna, famous for its 38 kilometers of porticos, now a UNESCO World Heritage, and of course the city's mad collections of towers. Though you won't be talking about architecture, you will be talking about legacy. Take it away. Yeah, so the the actual city was really beautiful. We did a lot of walking, me and the, the Bologna crew that I was there with. But the spicy story that I have brought today is from day two. It's actually the last round for me in the whole Grand Prix. And, you know, it's late into the day. I've had, uh, you know quite intense days of magic you know i i only played one trial getting there on the uh, on the like eve of the of the grand prix <laughs> which i managed to squeeze uh, like <laughs> a perfect record of but you know it's been a lot of magic and you're quite tired i'm playing aluren i've been doing a lot of aluren things for the whole weekend and i'm playing against the lance opponent he's he's you know a very nice guy we've we talked about like about our weekend and you know we're both just happy to be there both having a pretty good result he won game one so quickly that like i didn't even have a time like i didn't have a chance to show what deck i was playing really which kind of is how you want some of these game ones to go i remember bant was a really big deck this weekend with teferi and oko and so Maybe I gave off gave off that impression, but in game two I show him what what's up. I land Aluren, and we're moving on to game three. At this point, like I mentioned, we've joked a lot, we've speculated. You know, neither of us thinks that we're gonna cash because uh, can't remember. I think we're f- uh, x three and one or something like that. Uh, maybe x four and one. But you know, we're just having a good time. Like the, uh, we're doing it for the glory. So it's, uh, it's that late in the Grand Prix, and you know, just have a good time. So game three begins, and my opponent goes fetch, go. I draw a card and go fetch, go as well. My opponent plays stage, cracks the fetch, and plays a sphere resistance. This is a problem. <laughs> this is a big problem, Victor and Robin. I look at my hand, and it's pretty packed on action, but it lacks. Force a will and it lacks land number three. It's it's quite scary when you know your opponent just goes turn to sphere and you have no answer. I decide to fetch and brainstorm to find more lands or maybe a force of will because then my hand would be pretty unlocked, like just unlocked from that point. But I find neither of them. The sphere resolves. I take my draw step. I play my second land that I have in hand and I ponder. No lands. Shuffle. Draw blind, no land. I'm on the shitter. This is, is this gonna be the last game of the whole Grand Prix? I'm in trouble. My opponent untaps, has a small smirk on his face, plays a wasteland and shoots my underground sea. <laughs> or tropical or whatever it was. It's a dead land, a nice lotus petal. So I untap, I draw my card, it's not a land, and I pass. My opponent just draws a card, plays a land, and pass the turn. From this moment on, I go on to drawing four cards, 
and going to discard four times. I'm just sitting there. My opponent is not finding ports or loam and not adepts either. And uh, you know, no crop rotation yet, so I'm not dead, but I'm sitting there like any card that my opponent is gonna uh, play is gonna kill me. But he just keeps on finding, you know, Fespian stages, he keeps on finding Mazavif, you know, stuff like that that's really not gonna help him. I finally find my land too, and it's a fetch. So I play it and pass the turn. My opponent plays a Dark Depths. I do the end of turn brainstorm and I find two more lands, which is great because I have a Brazen Borrower in hand. And my first thing that I'm thinking about is how good it's gonna feel to either get to bounce the Brazen, like the uh, Sphere Resistance, or his Merit, depending on the situation. I put the cards back, I go to my turn, play my land number three, and pass the turn with a small smirk. At this time, a lot of people has gathered around the table. Uh, there's there's one of the judges, because this is, like I said, it's the last round, and this has been a grindy game. And I think maybe eight or ten other people, including, you know, some of the people that I traveled with. And, you know, everyone's just like, oh man, this is such a... Uh, it's nasty to watch, you know. <laughs> that sphere resistance is doing a lot of work. It's It's not feeling great. I play my third land and I just pass the turn. And my opponent doesn't make Marit. Because, and, and I talked to him after the game, he said that he was smelling the Brazen Borrower and he didn't want to go for it. And I respect it. He takes his turn and plays, uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was something, maybe Punishing Fire or something, like he, or a Grove, I can't exactly remember, but you know, it's, it's just not that impactful. I get to end of turn Petty Theft, the Sphere Resistance, untap, play my land, and jam a Luren. I start comboing off, and I get to Force of Will, his Force of Vigor, targeting uh, my Luren. And the whole, <laughs> the whole crowd, and the judge, and the, like my opponent, Everyone's just looking at what's going on in you know, utter disbelief, like disgust even. I think the judge said that was so f nasty, uh, like after the game. Because I went to discard on turn, turn three or four for four consecutive turns. And then I ended up winning the game, walking around with what appeared, like what then was revealed to be $250 because I, I managed to squeeze in the cash. Yeah, I, I met up with with the person afterwards and was just super happy, you know. We had some tight games and yeah, I didn't realize that it was for money and he didn't seem to care, but like we were both just having such a good time, you know. Had some gelato. Let's enjoy the last night in in Bologna. So, I guess for me, you know, it's quite easy to like scoop in despair. <laughs> My first two discard to hand size was not the greatest feeling but when i got to do the f like the third and the fourth it kind of felt like yeah this is at least a good story but then it became a great story that's one of these magical moments in in legacy that i'll never forget and uh, shout out to my lance opponent you'll never get me alive and they're like um well i'm gonna give you the 
the great feeling of having a win because you know this is legacy with friends and you know the enjoyment should be maximized so people should sort of feel that they win through smashing not through scooping and seven turns later <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah like i i yeah I, I really felt that like from that side of the table if I would have been the lance player, you know, it's it's round fifteen or whatever. It's it's you know, you've been you've been playing a lot of magic, having an anticlimactic game free like that. Uh, I mean, the deck is is built to do those things, but you know, if you're having a good time, I was like, yeah, he's gonna he's he I'm gonna give him the pleasure. He's gonna hit me for twenty, and then you know, it just never happened. And this deck is. Unlike decks like Food Chain, uh, I don't really have to commit anything to the battlefield. I just need to get one lanky four mana enchantment into play and the day is ruined. Fantastic stuff. Thank you so much for telling us this story, Christopher. And that is all we have for this week. If you have enjoyed yourselves, do consider recommending us to a friend. You could also give us mega high ratings in a podcasting app if you want to. That helps. Also, if someone wants to reach out to us personally, where can we be found, Robin? You can find me on Facebook. That's where I do most of my magic interactions. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at uh, manlifmtg. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter as well at DiscoDrogo. Also, you can find this podcast now on Twitter at STHLMLegacy. Uh, we also have a Discord server now up and running where we're going to put this uh, deck lists and stuff. Uh, you can find the link to that Discord server in the episode information that comes with this episode. And that is the end of the 18th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robin Svensson and Christopher Wikström. Our amazing music is written by Frenes. You should check them out on Spotify. Until next time, remember, the higher the mana value, the closer to Satan. <laughs> <laughs>